And welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Town, World Football Index's podcast for your culture to go. I'm Frank Ravello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing? We're good, man. Another birthday in the books and, uh, you know, didn't get to celebrate as much as I would like. My aunt, my son got sick like the night of. <laughs> so... Um, if it's not one thing, it's another. Two years ago, my birthday fell right around when the lockdown started. So it's just like... He's lucky he had his birthday before yours, you know. Yes, I guess that's probably, you know, we should probably count our blessings in that sense. So, but no, I mean, otherwise, uh, yeah, things are all right. Um, you know, got to uh, catch a little bit of calcio over the weekend. We got the the March Madness going on here in the United States. That seems to be occupying everybody's attention as, as, as far as sports are concerned. My And in Italy, apparently, as well. So, hey Is that right? Yeah, with all the calcio. hey oh, yeah. oh, okay. March, March Madness in, in calcio. I got dad in, jokes in, up the sleeves. In calcio form. I wasn't, I, I wasn't quite following you there. So, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually last minute loading some Who on Calcio Twitter nominees that are a lot funnier than what you just said. So, we'll leave it to the judges. Wait, we, we are the judges, right? Oh, right. Never mind. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so it's very possible that, that that's going on. How about you, man? Things are good. Things are good. Things are busy, but uh, yeah, things are good. Calcio's good. Um, nice Rome Derby today. Yeah. Uh, notice I said Rome Derby. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, overall good. Weather's getting warmer out. You know, it's nice to be outside. So yeah, yeah. things are yeah. good, man. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad day to get outside and do outside things and, yeah. and get and get spring fever or do what I did. Just go over to some. Uh, uh, Go over by some uh, friends. Well, actually, my my daughter's friend. They got together and play dated, and then I took Anthony to, uh, you know, to go do some father son fun stuff. And you know, we came back, and you know, Anthony starts playing with some of the kids, and the dad's like, "Yo, you want a beer?" And then other neighbors are coming over, and we're sitting down, and we're day drinking in their, uh, we're day drinking in their front yard. So um, I've uh, so I put back a few then. I'm having another one now. It, I'm off of work this week, so I I can do this. So nice, nice. Um, but uh, but uh, kids are on spring break, so that's uh, that's everything that's going on with that. So um, we have a packed show, seventy five percent capacity for you with the uh, Derby della Capitale. We will review first and foremost, then we will uh, batch uh, the rest of match week thirty. Hard to boy, this season has gone by really really fast. So eight games to um, go. Unreal. Yep, eight eight games to go, nine for some teams, um, but uh, that's gone by fast. So we'll have the uh, batch of the rest. We will um, also break down uh, the Azzurri selection, another key injury uh, heading into that. We'll talk about the impact that that's going to have here, uh, break down Italy's game against North Macedonia, what we think will happen should they win, who they'll play against uh, between Portugal and Turkey, and round up. 
uh, everything with the world's most popular hashtag game, who won Calcio Twitter. But before we get into all of that, Richard, uh, let us put post-mortem on another uh, – I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's a Champions League failure uh, for Serie A uh, to not have a team reach the last eight. Uh, this is the second consecutive season this happened. You have to go back um, when Atalanta reached the last eight. Uh, and went out to PSG um, at you know you know at the last minute against them um, you know that was the 2020 version where it was a single elimination knockout format and all that other stuff so uh, Juventus go out in really embarrassing fashion to Villarreal three 0 at home nobody saw that we thought this was the okay you got enough against them. You should scrape this and get through, uh, you know, to the last eight. I saw some people being funny about it when the draw came out and saw that VRL were going to play Bayern. That were like, they probably knew that that's what they were going to get next. And they said, no, nah, I'm good. Um, that I would rather see a Serie A team playing in the last eight. Uh, but if anybody bothered to listen to us at Serie A sit down and said, wasn't going to really be that easy. Unai Emery is a cup manager. He has won cup games uh, with... Via, with Sevilla, with Arsenal, now with Villarreal. Um, he's kind of gotten a bit of a reputation for doing that. Um, the dependency on Daniele Rugani in the back, um, uh, he's too he, – again, another, another occasion where he's just not good enough for it. Uh, commits the foul on Coquelin in the penalty area. Uh, Pareo makes the penalty, puts Villarreal ahead one nil. Then there was the, uh, the, the corner that, um, Juventus uncharacteristically looked totally disorganized two nil there. And then for good measure, another penalty, um, finished by Danjuma three nil to Villarreal, uh, putting the cap on a yet another disappointing, uh, display of the, Italian teams in the UEFA Champions League collectively. I think if you want to dive further into it, I think we got to look at it on a case by case basis. All right. In some instances, you're going to take a look at it and say, no, nah, it's, it's not that much of a disappointment. But ultimately, we want to see, we want to see at least one City A team reaching the last eight. The league is that good. I got a lot of respect for Benfica. I like a lot of their players. Um, but Serie A needs to show that it's better than the Portuguese league. You know, we should, you know, um, as, as an example, I think the rest of them are from the big, I think the rest of the quarterfinalists are from the big five, if I'm not mistaken, three from England. Um, So I'm saying a mouthful here, but I mean, where, you know, your thoughts, let's start with that. Just overall feeling about why Serie A sucks at this. Uh, and you know, what's going to, what's going to need to be different. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing, right? Losing to small leagues, like, you know, the Portuguese league, English league, um, Dutch league, you know, these smaller leagues, right? No, no, all jokes aside, it's, it is embarrassing, right? You know, we want to see Serie A teams do well in, in champions league, at least go deep. Um, and when all your teams are out by the round of 16, it looks pretty bad on the league. We talk about how good the league is, but you can talk all you want. It's about doing the walk as well in the Champions League and, you know, the cream of the crop rise and, and 
the Serie A teams are not doing that at the moment. You know, Juve struggle, Inter uh, are a mess. Milan couldn't get a final way to get out, and then you know, obviously Napoli as well. So it's just, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It makes the league look bad because as as good as we're gonna say, hey, beat the drum for the league and say, hey, we're a really great league. Look at the goals per game average. People are gonna say, hey, how about the round of sixteen? You know, and you know, we thought maybe Juve had a chance to a good chance to move on at least get into the, the final eight, like you said, but. Even they couldn't do it in an embarrassing fashion. So yeah, it's just it's pretty bad. And I think the 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 thing is one of the things is right is money, um, and you can say some of these other leagues like the you know Eredivisie or or the um, the Portuguese league that hey, maybe they don't have as much money, but you know what it comes down to is most of these Serie A teams do not own their own leagues or excuse me own their own stadiums. Juventus does; they got the money and they can back build it. But the depth, it seems like. It's not there. I mean, we've seen it in Syria. We think these teams are, are pretty deep, but for whatever reason, they can't manage to play on two fronts. We've seen Atalanta is a great example, right? They can they either focus everything on Syria or everything on Champions League or Europa League, wherever they're at. They can, yeah. These teams can't seem to put all their eggs in both baskets and Coppa Italia. Uh, and most of these teams don't even take Coppa Italia that seriously. So that's even less an excuse why they can't do it in these two fronts. Uh, it's really a, it's really unfortunate. I don't know if it's a thing with the managers not managing this well or what. Um, I would, I would lean towards that. As great as some of these managers are in Serie A, they just don't handle playing on these multiple fronts very well, and it shows. Right, you got you getting beat by Villarreal or whomever. Uh, it just doesn't look good for the league, and they need to find a way. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, obviously with. Next year we'll have another another group of four that we get a chance to see what they can do. But ultimately, what's going to have to be done is these teams need to step up. It's proven that when you go to Champions League, the level of competition rises up. Right? We've seen Liverpool as good as they are when they go to the, those knockout stages, even group in the group stages, they just play at another level. They play at another mm-hmm. level, and you have to rise uh, to the bigger competition. And Serie A teams are not doing it at the moment. Maybe they do it occasionally, a half here, a game there. They can't keep it consistent. And unfortunately, these other leagues can. We saw what Real Madrid did to PSG, right? That's pure class, Real Madrid. Uh, they just kept playing no matter what. So I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? What do you think is the reason of why Serie A struggle, at least in the last several years, especially this year? Someone that gets now gets paid to do this kind of stuff last year went on a rant and said that there's a mentality problem with Serie A teams, and I just think nothing's further from the truth. That's just... That's just ridiculous, and I think that that was something that was irresponsibly said and said out of frustration. Um, I'll give you a hint. He was dancing today um, after the game. So uh, it, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life because he said this after a Champions League failure where Lazio navigated through a group when they didn't even have a team and still qualified. And, oh, no, they had to play – well, and they had to play Bayern, and they're clearly, clearly a class below Bayern. Okay, you know, I thought that it was probably one of the most impressive coaching jobs of anybody on anybody's part by Simone Inzaghi to get that Lazio team through that group um, and into the next round without knowing what his team was going to be week in and week out because they were just wrecked with COVID. Okay, Um, it was, uh, you know, this year I look at it on a team by team basis. You and 10 of your friends could line up and score on Atalanta throughout the fall. Um, You know, with Musso, everybody trying to figure it out defensively. Gasparini goes in there and wants to play in the Champions League with a two-man midfield protecting a back three, and that just gets eaten alive. 
Um, and then, you know, worse, they're not good on set pieces. There's not the cohesion with Demiral and, and Musso, you know, and some of these guys that they're trying to filter in. So for me, that was where Atlanta went wrong. I think that they have rectified it a little bit, um, you know, here over time. Uh, they're certainly making it a some kind of a priority when they're in the Europa League. We talked about this last week. If you guys bothered to listen to us, we said we think this is where Atalanta is all in. I think they're we think they're all in on the Europa League. They're looking at this and saying, let's heads our hedge our bets because if we can't catch top four, I don't think they will. Uh, then we need to win this competition if we want to be back in the Champions League. So, uh, so keep your eyes on that. But anyway, Milan. First time back in like nearly eight years, one of the one of the youngest teams, even with Giroud and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and you have to go into that group. And we said they'd finish fourth, but what would what did we say? Just be competitive. Um, yeah. And they were. They every defeat they had was by one goal. Um, you know, and they were winning at Anfield on match day one. Okay, um, they were. Um, they should have beaten Atletico Madrid at home at the San Siro, just ex- except for some offici- questionable officiating. The second yellow on Kessie, the penalty at the end that allowed Atletico to get the full three points. Um, the two Porto games, I felt Milan were completely outplayed. Um, you know, that's where it went wrong. I think they were lucky to survive, only losing by a goal in Portugal at home. They were lucky to get the draw. Um, put on put it together and put on a great performance at Atleti uh, to win that game, to at least try to give themselves some kind of a puncher's chance to qualify. But then even Liverpool's changed team was too good um, at the San Siro. So th- th- that more work in progress, absolutely brutal group, brutal group. They competed, but yet you want to see a, a, a team and a club of Milan's pedigree should be getting through. Um, Inter, uh, well, I mean, give them credit. They did what Real Madrid struggled to do, at least at the beginning of the group stage. They they took apart Sheriff over two games, and that helped springboard them to the next stage, um, you know, as, as group runners-up. And I actually think Inter's Champions League campaign was good. I wouldn't call their campaign a failure. They played well over 180 minutes against Liverpool. Absolutely. Um, they won the second leg in Anfield, and you wonder what would have happened if Alexis Sanchez wasn't such a dumb shit. Um, going to being on a yellow and challenging and going to ground in their half of the pitch, almost their third of the pitch. He thought he was in um, Arsenal again. Probably. So, you know, I don't see, I don't see anywhere in here. And then Juventus, if, if there's a mentality issue, it's strictly and squarely on Juventus. And we've talked and talked and talked about this. Okay. I, you know, and I'm going in Cliffy, you're in the chat. You're too, you, you weren't even born when this happened, but I'll tell you tales of Marcello Lippi's Juventus. They were ballers and they attacked and they didn't care who they played. And they had a, they were so fun to watch. And and I'm talking about the team that won it. The team that won it didn't have Zidane uh, in 96. He came the year after. Okay, they had uh, Gianluca Vialli, Fabrizio Revanelli, and then some guy by the name of Alessandro Del Piero, you know, as their hmm. front three. I've heard you had, you had Souza and Deschamps doing the ball winning in the midfield, you know, and then he, you know, some, d- depending on the opponent, depending on the situation, Antonio Conte would round out that midfield three. You all have heard of him. Uh, or uh, Angelo Delivio would play in that role. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or you would, they would have a role for him where maybe he plays a little bit wider. Um, you know, they didn't have the greatest defenders. They didn't have a Maldini or a Baresi or, or anybody like that. That Angelo Peruzzi in goal, um, that Angelo Peruzzi in goal who didn't look like a goalkeeper, he looked like a guy that you couldn't wait to get together with for happy hour because uh, you know he was going to throw him back and you were going to do everything you could to keep up. At least I would. I was in my 20s back then. <laughs> so, um, you know, and uh, I mean, the best player in that 96 final was Moreno Torricelli, uh, who was playing right back for them. Um, you know, so uh, you had Jugovic coming off the bench. You had um, Pesotto, who played, I believe, played left back for them. You know, they 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 weren't airtight defensively, but they could attack and they went after you. These Juventus teams that I watch, I am getting so sick and tired of this Allegri ball. Um, and, you know, setting them up to avoid failure instead of, taking the initiative. What the hell have you spent $75 million for? Okay. If you're not going to try to play a system that's similar or that gives a chance when that will give a chance to, for Vlaovic to be as prolific as he was at Juventus. Right. So, you know, and don't come at me today, Juve supporters. They played Salernitana. Okay. Um, You had, he was, he was kept warm. He was kept warm by a defender that is a Napoli reject. Okay, or I, I, I don't, don't know about reject. I think he just kind of was at the end of his contract. But it just it's it's a lot more fun to say it that way. It proves my point. So I'm going on a rant here, but there's nothing really in here that that screams mentality problem. Okay, with Milan, it's a what are you going to do? You're 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 a little young for this yet, and you're playing three beasts. And Inter had some un, had some misfortune. Okay, uh, Atalanta just couldn't defend. I would I would it, the way they're starting to defend a little bit now. I'd like to have seen that in the group stage last fall. Juventus culturally just has to change. You know yep. this th- enough is enough. I mean this this stuff is so antiquated. And so boring to watch. I, I can't. I can't even watch a Juve game anymore, Richard. Um, and people. And, and I'm kind of hypocritical because my, you know, our Milan are at the top right now, and I'd be more than happy with them playing that way and winning one nil every game the rest of the way to win the title. You know, but you know, it, it's. It, I'm going to keep hammering away at it, and I say it all the time on Twitter. I said Juve need to just. They need to change culturally, okay? Um, they need to change the identity with which they play. They need to stop with the, you know, with the way they're doing things and just start taking some risks. And maybe they don't do it because they haven't had Chiesa, okay? But you got Dybala. You've got Cuadrado. You've still got plenty of quality. There's no, to me, there's no excuse. Yeah, uh, those are all great points. Um, Ishmael brings up two really good points in the chat. Uh, first, he says, Roma and Atalanta must win Europa and Conference put some respect back on the league. I agree about that. Okay. Um, that will help a lot. You know, If they get embarrassed here and don't even make it to the finals or even to the semifinals, that would look bad for the league even more. But um, I like that. And also the comment he made, uh, the last time we won it all, meaning a Serie A team, was when Mourinho was with uh, Inter 10 years ago. And it kind of brings back to my point I was talking about before in so many words where the last Italian manager when it was who? 
Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti with Milan, but he's also one of three on Madrid after that. But he's the last Italian manager to do it. Maybe it's it's the mentality of the managers not knowing how to play in these big stages, and, and we leave it to Mourinho being the last one from the, for a Serie A team to win because of he knows how to, he's been in other leagues. He he played around uh, in, in different countries, so he's used to that experience. And maybe a lot of these Serie A managers outside of Allegri don't have that experience and they need to gain that experience, not necessarily outside the country, but it's just more time in Champions League, uh, the better they're going to do. Uh, Spalletti has been in, in, in the Champions League quite a bit. Allegri obviously went to two finals. Um, Pioli's still fresh in Zaghi. Okay, he's been a few times. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's a culmination of different things, I think. But what are your thoughts on his two points, both with Mourinho being the last time to win it and then also Roman Atalanta having to win their respective leagues this year? I think that as far as putting respect on the league, I mean, it's, it's still, when you look at it from a coefficient standpoint, it's still considered one of the top five leagues in Europe. Um, I, 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 Roma to win the conference league, I would say yes. Atalanta to reach the final, and it's a reachable final for them. Leipzig, they've got to they've got to navigate here in the quarters, and then if they do that, they get the winner of the whoever wins between Braga and Rangers. Not not two teams that Atalanta should be entirely frightened by. Two teams that have some quality and are solid, especially Braga, um, but. You, if you have that path, then you should make the Europa League final. Okay. Um, so Mourinho will take Roma to top six by end of season. Aren't they top six now? Yeah, they're sixth yeah. right now. Yeah. So well, Let me say um, this, because you mentioned Mourinho. Do you think the Serie A teams will do better in Champions League next year with Roma in the top four or not? Because Mourinho has experience in the team. We, we both think Roma will be better next year. Do we think... Serie A will be better in Champions League if Roma make that top four, or or may, will that matter? I don't think it'll matter. Um, I I'd like to see Inter have some more fortune because I think Enzaghi is showing Enzaghi is showing signs that he can figure this out. Um, I mean, with what he like I said, with what he did at Lazio last year, um, and with what you know, getting Inter through, and then. The 180 minutes there um, against, uh, you know, with, with Inter against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, is showing me that there's signs that he is he is at least figuring it out. Yeah. Um, Spalletti, I have no hope for in Champions League with Napoli. I, he has shown time and again when he gets to the European stage, he puckers up. And that's just, what frustrates me so much. Yep. Um, Pioli. I don't think he's had enough sample. Okay. Um, I know that years and years and years ago, he got Lazio to fourth place and got him back when fourth was having the playoff and they went out in the playoff. Um, and then just this past year for um, Milan, uh, kind of harsh to judge him with that group. So um, anyway, so, do they need more practice at it? That's another way. That's another way to put it. Yeah. So, but I think of the four teams right now, if you assume that these are the top four at the end of the season, which I think it will be. Yeah. I, um, I think Inter would probably have the best chance to get to the last eight 
and potentially further if you're just weighing up managerial performances in this competition. I love the point Ishmael breaks here. He says, I think our managers respect other managers and teams too much, and there's no mystic when playing other teams. When Real Madrid struggles, they still have that aura around them. They still think they're invincible. You know, when we'll see what Milan does next year when they're back because they're one of those big teams in Champions League. Do they have that aura when they go out and play? Inter needs to play with that kind of swagger. Juve should play with that swagger, and these teams don't. None of the four teams in Champions League this year play with any kind. They just seem like there's another team, right? They should be looking at it as we are better than you. You need to be bowed down to us and we and use that mentality to really take it to other teams, like Real Madrid does, you know, and uh, some of these other big clubs. So I don't know. It's it's a, it's a it's a whole mess of things. We'll see how next year goes, but this year's absolutely failure. Yep, yep. Um, and that's just kind of where I'm. That that that's that's where I'm at with it. So. Um, they, uh, I think the teams are doing better business overall in terms of assembling their teams. I think Juventus is a, Juventus is a mess. They did the all in on Cristiano Ronaldo. It failed. And now they are kind of feeling the effects. Okay. Now they, they found the money, you know, they got the money to go in and buy Vlaovic, but with the characteristics of the players that they have, they should try to set the, they, they got to set themselves up to be more, to be a more attack oriented team. Um, This, this playing bogged down and, and, and playing to avoid defeat. I mean, it's, it's antiquated and it's, and it might be the manager's time to go. I don't know. Like you, like you said, it's this Allegri doesn't have it anymore. It seems like, I mean, he's obviously doing really well in Serie A, but I don't know. It just, Young, young midfield and inexperienced midfield, and then not playing to all his players' strengths, it's makes it difficult for Juventus. But let's ask the question so that we can bring this full circle about Juventus. Um, is the Chiesa injury a significant enough reason to to approach to approach things tactically like this? Do you think Juve? would maybe play with a little bit more freedom and maybe play with a little bit more ruthlessness if Chiesa was in this team and was fit. Should they? Yes. Is that what, do I believe that that would happen? No. Allegri is an old dinosaur. He doesn't change his ways. He would play the same way. We've seen it in the past. Even when he's had talented attackers, he plays a certain way. He doesn't like to give up things defensively. uh, And so he compromises the attack for making sure it's a stout defense and the Italian way, the old classic Italian way. Right. And so, no, I don't think it would change. Should it change? Absolutely. You got a freaking yeah. baller of Chiesa, right. And then you got the as well. And you got some talented attackers. He's not using them to the way they should be using. And that's the, that's the main issue. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think they need a little, you know, we've been, we've been harping on this. They need a little more creativity in midfield and they need, um, I think having Chiesa back would probably provide a better, another route and a better route of service. And I think that Juventus can stretch you a little bit more. Um, it's not confined, you know, to where's Dybala, where's Quadrado. Having another creator, a third guy out there could provide some of that too. Um, can provide that service to Vlaovic too. So, uh, but certainly worth asking. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it, it, it's a cultural change with them, which might in part mean mentality, but I just think 
change the way you change the way you play, change what change the way it looks on the pitch because it's not it's not pleasing. It's that for sure, and it's getting you and it's getting you run out of Europe every time. I mean, the all of these other teams. I mean, look at what's left: three English teams, three Spanish teams, Bayern and Benfica. They have figured out how to play against that. And they get you to they get you to lose your concentration at the right time and take advantage. So, um, speaking of a team that lost their concentration, I guess Mourinho said something about these guys smoking cigarettes with Saudi while they were playing conference league. I wonder how many <laughs> cigarettes they were smoking. Yeah, because um, obviously it might have had a fit, an effect on their fitness and had an effect on their uh, on their cardio. Uh, and being able to run and being able to do things and move quickly and things like that. The Derby della Capitale, Richard. Um, Roma and Lazio. Um, so hang on, let's get, I mean, we're, Dino is coming in. Um, if Milan wins the league, they're in pot one next year. They'll get one great team. Inter will be pot three, risks getting two great teams. Yeah, that's part of the equation. Okay. There's also the league that there's also the group that Salzburg was in. You get one of those, so it's not not entirely true. You never know. So, yeah. Um, but all right, now let's get back. To, now let's get to the derby. Okay, so um, let's get Roma's lineup first here. Richard Patricio in goal. He went back three. Mancini, Smalling, Ibanez, Karsdorp, and Zalewski. Interesting player, this Zalewski. After watching him a couple of times. Oh yeah. Um, as the wingbacks, Cristante and Sergio Oliveira back in the team, uh, playing in the middle. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, and then Tammy Abraham. So a 3-4-2-1. Uh, I mean, it's Mourinho. It's, okay, you can have it. Come come at us. Bring your numbers. Don't leave <laughs> – don't send too many forward because we're going to we're gonna catch you. Yep. Yeah, it was a pretty good lineup. Um, I was curious to see how it, what kind of mentality. We we know what Mourinho likes to do, but you know, this being a big derby, would he try to change things up to catch sorry off 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 guard or what would do? But in terms of player selection, I, I like what I like what we had here. Zalewski is obviously an interesting one. That was going to be the really curious position for me in this game. Um, some of these other players in here have been in the ga- games of this elk before. Zalewski's a young kid, right? He's a teenager still, so. How would he cope in this kind of game? You, my worry when I saw this lineup is that Lazio is going to see this and attack him. He's not going to do well. I was wrong, but that's what my inclination was when I saw the lineup and seeing Zalewski started in here. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was an overall good lineup for um, for Roma. And then having Sergio Oliveira right next to Cristante, I thought it was actually pretty good. It's good to have Cristante in the midfield as opposed to defense, in our opinion. Uh, and Sergio has just been fantastic for Roma ever since he's joined them. And Roma has been what now eight games, now nine game unbeaten streak uh, with Sergio Oliveira there. So, bravo! I like the lineup. Yep. Uh- Lazio came out in their 4-3-3 as they've been playing under Saudi, Strakoja, uh, Marusic, Luis Felipe, Acerbi, Husai, um, midfield, uh, Lucas uh, flanked by Sergei and Luis Alberto, Chiri Mobley flanked by Felipe Anderson and Pedro. Um, an attempt to play Saudi ball uh, with this system is probably the best way to describe them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a... Uh... The lineup was fine, I think. Um, I was, you know, you always curious to see with a Cherby back there how he would handle Tammy Abraham's speed and and really the, the entire speed of the of the Roma team. Um, how would he handle that? You know, Grizzle veteran should be able to do, you know, position himself well so that 
you know, he knows he's not going to keep up with them pace wise, but you know, if he, he plays a position right, he should be able to, you know, uh, keep things in front of him. You know, overall, I was okay with the lineup. It seemed like, uh, um, I was curious to see how Pedro was going to do. He did so well in the first time these two teams played. Um, how would he do in this game? Um, and I thought he'd play with a lot of motivation. So I thought, you know, last year pretty much pretty much set up well against Roma in this one. And I thought we were going to have a great game uh, when you see these two lineups coming in. Sure. Um, didn't take long. Uh, corner kick. Uh, I mean, it, it, it set the tone for the match, really, for me, the, the opening goal. Within the first minute, you know, it's a it's a curling corner kick by Lorenzo Pellegrini. It's off the crossbar, and I mean that could fall to anybody from there. It just happens to fall to Tammy Abraham, and he has an easy goal, and it's one nil Roma. Um, that's just a right place, right time goal, and you know, I just thought Lazio just were kind of shell shocked by it. Um, I think it. It set the, I mean, and it set the tone for the whole match, as Anthony's saying, because now Roma can really play the way they want to play. They can let Lazio have the ball. They can sit back and they can just blow them up on the counter um, and and create their chances that way, which is a dream for them uh, under Jose Mourinho. Um, so this goal really, I mean, it's cliche to say that a, an early goal sets the tone for the game, but in this case, it really did. It certainly did, and it's what we saw from Pellegrini is many guys have tried this this year. We've already seen goals, I think, from Cuadrado and 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 Chalanolu off the corner kick, um, and so many many players who have the skill set to to curl it from the from the um, the corner, they're going for it. And Pellegrini did and hit off the crossbar. Great, great uh, placement of the ball hits the crossbar. Like you said, hits anybody could go in. It could have gone in, could have gone out. Who knows? But it hit Abraham went in, and it certainly set the tone because, like you said, this is a dream start from Mourinho. Because the way he went to set up, he really wants to open up the opposition. And if there's a zero zero, it's not going to really be open up at the moment. But you, all of a sudden, you go up, you can. The other team's going to come at you, attack you, trying to level the game, and then leaves them wide open in the back. And you know, Mourinho is just loving this early goal. And obviously, Roma is still this big derby. Um, so this is a dream start for Mourinho and the boys. And uh, Pellegrini just uh, great delivery as he's been doing all year long. The captain really coming up big in a big game. Yep. Um, they get the second just in the 22nd minute. And I think that Lazio were, you know, obviously, I I thought they reacted okay. Um, generated some things, nothing that was, nothing that was too substantial, but then it was Roma coming the other way on the break. Um, 22nd minute, Karsdorp with a cross. This is a goal of the week candidate. Abraham really has a lot to do here. It's not a tap in and by any stretch of the imagination, the cross is in the air. It's kind of behind him. He has to readjust, um, you know, and get his sh- drop a shoulder, get his foot on it, so he can side volley, wrap around, and knock it in. Even from that distance, um, incredible technique on that finish puts lot uh, puts Roma in front two nil, uh, and they're just off and running at this point. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if this should never happen because you know, just ten minutes before that uh, play goes into the box. Uh, Sergei Mlekisavich goes up for the ball, gets elbowed in the face of Ibanez. Clearly, his nose is bleeding. Should have been a penalty for Lazio, honestly. Um, and it got missed. VAR didn't check. Again, VAR is on vacation the second half of the season. So I think a big penalty was missing that in the in the 10 minutes prior. But 
what you see in that goal, which I want to give Rick Karsdrup a lot of uh, props, is because he gets fouled or he goes down during the play. Instead of crying and rolling around, he gets up, gets back into the play. Eventually, the ball finds his way to him, sets up the cross to Tammy Abraham, and Abraham with a fantastic finish. Uh, so both of those should get both those guys should get plotted for that because Cars are quite easily just rolling around on the ground like Neymar, right? And just crying and w- hoping for the stoppage to play. He didn't. He got up and kept going. Uh, and Abraham with a fantastic finish. The guy is what, the third, 23 goals in the season now overall, all competitions. He's having a great year. And uh, yeah, you expect nothing less from, from Tammy Abraham, maybe in the post, I guess. But uh, yeah, 2 nothing up, 20 minutes in. Unreal start for Roma. Unreal start. Yep, and uh, the misery would continue for Lazio. Free kick in the 40th minute, another goal of the week candidate. What a what a free kick! Probably one of the best free kicks we've seen in a while. Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, really just nailing this thing. 40 minutes in, there's still another 50 minutes to play here, Richard. But this thing's over. Um, My goodness, it's yeah. it's it's this this goal is it's a brilliant free kick. It's a slamming of the door. And it really it felt to me in the second half that both these teams just played out the stretch. I mean, Roma hardly had. <laughs> you got so excited by the goal that you pulled out your microphone. That's uh, no, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it from here. Yeah, you know, it it did seem like the both teams kind of played this one out. Um, Roma, I mean, that goal was brilliant by Pellegrini. Set up really with Sergio Oliveira drawing the foul, causing a causing a free kick to happen. Wonderful placement uh, by Pellegrini on the goal. They nearly made it four before halftime. Mkhitaryan had a shot that deflected off of a Cherubi and hit the crossbar. Um, unreal start by, by Roma. Roma is a team, is a second-half team, especially second half of the second half. That's when they really turn it on, end of the games. And to come out so on fire in this game, big derby, it was huge for them. And the, and the home crowd was loving it. Um, and really... There was really not much action after the in the second half because, like you said, both teams are playing it out. Seemed like none of the calls were going Lazio's ways, at least by the faces of the players of Laziale. They just they felt everything was against them, so they like oh, basically stopped trying. I don't think Lazio played as bad as the score indicates, but Roma were clinical. Roma did what they had to do. Lazio didn't really. Uh, Rui Patricio didn't have much to you know to do in this game, and all credit goes to the way Mourinho set his team up. And really, like you said, they just played out the rest of the half and. The only thing that was really interesting in the second half is that it seemed like a derby. A lot of intensity, a lot of guys going head-to-head. Uh, Karzrup went at it with uh, Marisic at one point. Uh, Mancini went after, went, tried to go after somebody else. I mean, there was there was animosity there, and that's what you want to see in a derby, especially when both teams are playing it out because they know the result's going to be – it is what it is already. So, But, no, I thought Roma did an excellent job in this one, and, um, you know, Mourinho certainly happy. He's obviously the one chirping before the game and, and after the game, probably during the game as well. Um, surprised he didn't hold up a little three and you know one of these things, but he's at home anyway. So, uh, what'd you what'd you make of the overall game? You're so, you're on mute. Can't hear you yet. Nope, can't hear you. You're are you on mute in um, Streamyard? Can't hear you still. <laughs> there I am. There, there I am. you are. Hey. Damn technology. I'm too old for this shit. All right. So, um, <laughs> okay. So, I, I really felt 
the second half was just kind of a playing out of the game, playing out of the stretch. I mean, with, you know, with some meat on it, because it was a derby, it was physical. There was some, you know, there was some tackling. Uh, Fuji's and fun, Fuji's and Funyuns. Now that's a that's a username, man. That's a great name. That's a great. That name. is a username. Keep uh, keep uh, keep coming back there, bud. <laughs> um, and then there's Gillis fifteen. Um, uh, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, second half statistics. Lazio had seventy one percent possession, which was fine with Mourinho, um, and just one shot on target in that entire time. So it's just like, yeah, it's it's. Just uh, it was a well approached game by Mourinho. It was a poorly approached game by Lazio Maurizio Sarri. They did not have a plan B. Um, when plan A was just a complete failure, uh, you know. But that's also, I think, what you get with Sarri. He wants to play one way, and there's not going to be a whole lot of change here. Um, so. I, I give Roma a lot of credit, and I think that these are the signs of life that you're looking for with Roma to win games like this. We talked about this: the the record against the Seven Sisters, to beat Atalanta, you know, a few weeks back, to win this one. Yeah. You know, these are these are better steps for Roma, you know, than what we've probably seen in the last couple of seasons. Now, um, I do want to answer a question in the chat about thoughts about Mourinho: Will he stay at Roma or will he go to PSG or Madrid? I don't think Real Madrid sack Ancelotti. Um, I think they're going on to win La Liga and they're still in it with a shout us. And especially if they even get to, if they get to the final of the champions league, I don't think he's getting sacked. Yeah. Um, and then the PSG situation, who the hell wants that job? I mean, yeah, you get to go and win the French title every year, but then, you know, the only thing that's, the only thing that's uh, sparing the blushes of Serie A is that PSG went out in the last 16 and that team is assembled to win the champions league. All right. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, do you think he'll say, I, this is kind of one of those where I think he owes it to Roma to stay, you know, to himself to stay and to himself. Look at what his career was before that, you know, tried going the second time around to Chelsea. Didn't work out. Manchester United didn't work out. Tottenham didn't work out, you know, comes to Roma to, to resurrect his career and in a way, he might have a home here, you know? I agree. Um, so I I don't want him to leave. I think he's great. The sound bites are great. I think he great just the league. I think he just I think he just had a blast at uh Zeman if I don't if you know I don't do I gotta pull that quote <laughs> he up. He did, he did, <laughs> he did. Hang on, I'll look I'll look that up. But yeah, I what do you think? I, I, I hope he stays. I think he should stay. I think he should stay. I think he's building something really nice here, and this is a team that will be in the top four next year, in my opinion. I think they have the pieces there. Tammy Abraham is really something that fits his style of play. He's got the midfield that actually is – I've been harping on this midfield for the longest time, and even under Mourinho, they're going to be better. Their defense is better now, right? And they got a really good goalkeeper. This is a team that's going to challenge next year, and I think it'll be silly of him to – try to go back to Madrid or, or go to PSG. And I mean, like you mentioned, he's had some shitty last couple stops, right? He went for the big, big money and, and got embarrassed by getting fired in you know, two different places. His career is a little bit, took a hit, right? Like you said. And so if he can do well at Roma and then, you know, do well with them in the Champions League, because you know, he's a Champions League type of manager. You could really turn your career, not to your career, not that his, his legacy is going to be ha- hampered at all, but 
you could really do something and another level there by taking Roma and making them into a serious contender, not only in, in Serie A, but also in, in Europe as well. Um, that would he would become a legend and have free pizzas for life in Rome if he did that. And I think he should. He I think he'd be silly to leave Rome at this point, at least give it another year. Um, and great. If next year is not the year we all think is gonna be, okay, whatever. But at least give it one more year, man. You know, he's gotta do that. If he's not gonna sure. get fired, let him stay. Sure. <laughs> should say. All right. So here it was. Uh it was uh Zayman predicted Lazio would win the Derby. Um and uh someone asked Mourinho about uh uh about that, yeah, I guess quote unquote criticism. Uh, said that, uh, you know, about Zeman and Mourinho said, do you expect a coach who has won 25 trophies to respond to someone who won Serie B twice? <laughs> if you if you ask me a question about Giovanni Trapattoni or Fabio Capello, I am happy to answer. But Zeman, please, I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jose never change. So... <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think he should stay. Uh, I think yeah. I think he's I think he's in the best situation for himself right now. I mean, they, they need each other. Roman need a manager that is going to give this team some tactical steel and and mental steel and mental steel. And he's giving them that. I mean, people want to say that Mourinho's all talk. Yeah, he's talk. He's brash. He's bluster. If I won twenty five trophies, I would talk a lot of shit too. So you know what's the brilliance about him talking too is that. That's less time people are focusing on the Roma players, more time they're focusing on him so they can focus on their own game. That yeah. is brilliant by, by Mourinho. Is it off-putting? Sometimes, yeah, it's off-putting. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, how, how put off were we by Galliani every year? Yeah, well, we, you know, a new, a, new season, a new season and we're the most successful club. What have we done in the last five fucking years? I mean, that's fine if you're you, going to keep recalling past glories. That's fine. But if you were doing something now and Milan were competing for things now – I tolerate this kind of talk a little bit more. So I can kind of see where it puts people off too. So, um, but no, I, I, you know, let's hope he stays. Um, all right. I, I think Lazio is about what we thought they would be under Saudi. I don't think it's nothing more, nothing less. I think I would have been completely blown away if, if this Lazio team was sitting in top four this season. This is a big change. You know, you're going from a tactics of three five two, where there was a lot of counterattacking, and now you're going to a four three, a more possession based four three three, and you have a lot of holes in this team. You don't have the, I don't think you have the complete product of what Maurizio Sarri needs to compete for things at Lazio. Uh, you go into this with some missing pieces. Now you go into the, you get into the summer, you turn some of this over, you get some other pieces in place. Um. Notably at fullback, um, they're desperately short at fullback. Uh, Lazzotti can't stay fit. Um, Husai is way past it. Um, Marusic is getting long in the tooth. They've got to address that. They've got to get a better uh, holder uh, in front of the back four than Lucas Leva. You're with, with what Milinkovic Savic likes to do, with what Luis Alberto likes to do, you're asking a player at, at Lucas Leva's age – and where he's at in his game and the tread on the tires that you're asking him to cover an awful lot of ground. Um, and he, it, there are games where he's going to get exposed. Um, a Cherby, I'm a little worried that the, that the uh, shine is wearing off that one too. So what do we do with Lazio? 
hopefully uh, Sarri is allowed to buy some players into his mold. Because uh, I think if if he's allowed to spend, which we know it's been difficult with Lazio, right? But if he can get some players that fit his his style of play, we think Lazio is going to be very competitive next year. I think yeah. it, it take, his system is so complicated. It takes at least a season to get into it. And sometimes, he, you know, like at Chelsea, it didn't take that long. Obviously, a lot of talent that was there. But um, I think if, if, if Sarri is allowed to get who he wants – to kind of fit the shape that he gets. Lazio is going to be a contender for the top four next year. They, they have some pieces there already. Yes, they lost some as well. But if you can fill those with key positions, the fullback, like you mentioned, um, maybe a holding six position to, to replace Lucas Leva, um, add some depth there. I think you have a chance at a, a team that could be very competitive. I think it be as, as good as Roma next year. I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, we both think mm. that Roma and Lazio are going to be better next year. And I, and, and, I would not bet against Sarri for next year, especially a second year, if he doesn't get fired, obviously. Um, but a second year with Lazio, I think he would absolutely improve. Yep, yep. Need some players. Lazio needs some players for it to work. So, uh, But for now, I mean, seventh is really where we thought they were. I still think maybe Fiorentina sneaks up and, and, and beats them out for seventh. So... Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. So anyway, uh, so that was the Derby della Capitale. We talked about the Champions League failures, and now um, the uh, let's talk about the uh, next, the other nine games here, Richard, which will be the uh, last nine games we have here for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we got to go a little bit of a break here, aren't we now? So uh, yeah, like, so action started uh, two games first on Friday. Uh, Sassuolo hosting Spezia. Uh, goal scoring was starting the 17th minute. Berardi off a penalty kick. Um, Verde goal the week candidate in the 36th minute makes a 1-1 mm-hmm. lovely curler. Uh, and it goes into halftime by that scoreline. We think we have a game there, but unfortunately, Spezia didn't show up in the second half. Uh, Berardi in the 48th minute made it 2-1. to one. Ayan with a nice, lovely uh, off, off the outside of his right foot um, outside shot, 78th minute, 3-1. And then Skamaka coming off the bench uh, made a 4-1 easy game for, for Sassuolo. Genoa, the dentist chair, they find a way to win, Frank. They score and they win. What is this? Uh, Porta Nova. I've heard that name before, Frank. I don't know where I've heard it before. but uh, Gee, I wonder who's been touting him. Yeah, 14th minute, <laughs> scores a goal. That's all it would be, folks. All you need against Je- for Genoa, uh, they beat Torino. I don't know what Torino was doing in this one. But, uh, yeah, one nothing. Genoa get the first win under Blessing. Good there. Uh, top three in action all on the same day on Saturday. Uh, Napoli hosting Udinese. Difficult game for for Napoli, I should say. And it, it started out really rough. Delofeo gets a goal in the 22nd minute. One nothing at that point. They got to play catch up, basically. Going to halftime by that scoreline, but second half, uh, that man Osiman came to play. Nice header in the 52nd minute, made a one-one, uh, and then a lovely play in the 63rd minute, made it two to one. Two goals, another brace in consecutive weeks by Osiman. Napoli get much needed points, uh, tied with Milan at that point in terms of points, 63. Moving on, Inter hosting Fiorentina, another difficult game there for Inter. Inter are on a bit of a rough patch, as we've we 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 said for the last several weeks now. Um, they thought maybe they can get out of this one with, against Fiorentina. It's a difficult opponent to do it. it Vincenzo Tiliano is doing a fantastic job. Uh, very tight in this one. Opportunities going both ways. Uh, had a goal that was you know scored by Lautaro Martinez, taken back offsides. Correct call on that play. 
And then in the 50th minute, uh, Luca Torreira, wide open in front of the box or in the six-yard box, scores a goal, 1-0. Fiorentina take the lead. Uh, Dufferty's goal assisted by Perisic on the backside, on the winger-to-winger. Lovely header by him. 1-1 at that point. Um, both teams took some opportunities back and forth, but the game would end 1-1. Inter drop more, more points than possibly Scudetto with that result. Um, speaking of Scudetto, the leaders in the, at the moment, uh, Milan on the road at Cagliari. Not only at your Cagliari, but you're playing in the pouring rain. Uh, this was a tight, tight affair. It took some brilliance to take a lead, and it was a, a play where Salamakers gets into the box of Giroud. Giroud lays it off to Benacer, who just smashes a volley past Cranio, uh, who's having a pretty good game at that point. Um, and it looked like Milan was going to be able to squeak away with this uh, with a victory here, but um, Pavoletti, the big man, uh, got a header off the ground, off the crossbar, out, bounced around, and Magnon got his hands on it. A tough, tough escape there. Milan find a way to get three points. Could be crucial in their hunt for a Scudetto uh, to get a, all three points in Sardinia. Uh, moving on to Sunday, Venezia sort of hosting Sampdoria. Uh, the goalkeeper wasn't playing nice for Venezia. Gave, had some bad giveaways. Caputo, the benefactor of both of those, scored a goal in the 20, 24th and the 38th, got his brace. That's all Sampdoria would need. They would win 2 nothing on the road. Um, Empoli hosting Hellas Verona. Goal of the week candidate on the 26th minute, Empoli, a lovely team goal that Pinamonti ended up back healing to Di Francesco. He scores mm-hmm. a goal, one nothing. Empoli gets it there. Uh, but then in the 72nd minute, Cancellari with a wonderful strike, uh, made it 1-1, all points shared there. Uh, moving on, Juventus hosting Salernitana. Goal scoring was starting the fifth minute through Paolo Dybala. He thought he had a brace, but missed it just moments later after that. But Vlahovic, uh, the man you were talking about who doesn't get as much um, uh, opportunities or in the system, it doesn't really fit him, but he did find a way to get a goal in the 29th minute. 2 nothing. that's all the goals he would need in this one. Um, typical legger ball, 2 nothing win and get out of, get a shot with no no, no goals allowed. Uh, Juventus get big three points in, in their hunt to make to the top four or stay in the top four, I should say. And then rounding out the last game, Bologna hosting Atalanta. This game was actually fairly wide open. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, right? Fun bad Bologna, fun bad Atalanta. But there weren't many goals in this one. Uh, the goalkeeper's doing a good job. Defensive's doing just enough. A lot of missed goal opportunities, not on target. But we finally did get a goal in the 82nd minute. Cisse, the guy who's just called up from Primavera, gets a goal in the 82nd minute. Atalanta win one nothing. They find a way to score finally. Uh, so, yeah, that rounds up the games, Frank. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with uh, Domenico Berardi, his 100th Sassuolo goal, uh, which was the second one he scored. Um, congratulations to him. Uh, just adding to what's been a, a wonderful season for him. Um, we've talked about him quite a bit. Um, let's, uh, you know, move on. Now, here's where I want to rant. And, and, and it's, again, me on Twitter. Come on, guys. You're going to just piss and moan about all the missed chances. They won the match. At the end of the day, they won the match. All right. Um, The chances are there. On a different day, they put this game away. They put it out of reach. Yeah, does it make you uncomfortable for the last 10 minutes of the game? Of course. You're talking to a guy who watched the Pittsburgh Steelers all season last year. Every game (laughs) seemed to be decided by one score. And no matter how much you, you couldn't turn the TV off, 
when you think they had it put away because you knew they were going to do something to fuck it up and give the other team a chance, at least a chance to come back and win the game. All right. So that's okay. Hang in there, watch the game, support the team. A win is a Fuji's and Funya is my man. A win is a win. Okay. But people are saying it's unacceptable to not. Okay. Well, then you go do it. I mean, seriously, I, I, you know, I, I can't, you know, it's, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to be exhausted. They're going to win this Scudetto and I'm not going to celebrate because I'm going to be so damn exhausted from <laughs> having to keep saying to people over and over and over again, you know, it's just like, yeah. All right. Are we in a predicament? Fine. But you put some faith in the team that they're going to carry it out and they're going to get it done. Okay. Um, I was never concerned about losing this match to Cali because I don't think they were really doing anything productive in this game that would suggest that a loss would be possible. They had one shot on target. One. Okay. They, you know, Joao Pedro is in terrible form. They need him to score to get anything out of a match. Didn't play well in this game either. So... You know, it's. I thought as that, would it have been nice to have the second goal and and be able to exhale a little bit and all that other stuff? Fine, but I I was not. I wasn't concerned. You know, when when, when you know I was when Milan got the one, I was like, all right, they're going to go on and win this game. All right, that that that's that's the one that they needed. I, I don't see how they're blundering this. It's the way they're defending. You know, and it's the way that. Pioli is making Pioli has been making very very effective in match changes. It almost you know what worries me is that when this goes back to three substitutions, he might suck. Okay, because um, he yeah. you know Michael Lisi, who has been in chat today, he says it more than anybody. He said Pioli is the master of what to do with five substitutions. Yeah, you know, um, you know he seems to get it. He seems to nail it when he gets that much to work with. So I think. You know, I wasn't worried either for about 80, 85 minutes. Uh, Milan looked like a team who was trying to win the Scudetto. It looked like a champion-type team where they weren't bothered at all. But I was concerned because I've seen this script before this season where we've played so well, one goal lead, and give up some shit goal at the end, which they nearly had in this one. But you need to have fortune sometimes too, right? But I think for the most part, majority of this game – yeah, they looked they looked like they they weren't tr- they were troubled at all. The defense with Kalulu and Tamori and Magnon, I think those three together in the center are just leave you without nerves, honestly. And then it, obviously when Pavoletti gets involved late in the game, you're like, oh shit, here we go. But yeah. they got away. They got to win and a win. And like this stage of the season, all that matters is getting the wins and three points. That's all that matters uh, to win the title. First, you know, seventy five percent of the season. Um, it's style. You want to see style. You want to see your team look good. But at the end of the season, when it comes about to win the Scudetto, if you're trying to win a Scudetto, it's all about the wins. It doesn't matter how the sausage is made, long as it's made, right? Uh, yeah. So that's the most important part at this point of the season. Yeah. He, he – they played with the aggression that you that Juve fans wish they would see from their team, especially on a European night. Okay? That's just – and that's the end of it, all right? On a different day, Milan win this game 4-0. They dominated this game, okay? They missed so many I've been, Yeah, they could have played in, I've played and coached so many games that, that 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 our team dominated but only scored one goal and won 1-0. You know, <laughs> it happens. 
it happens. Um, you know, so uh, very impressed with Napoli to recover the way they did uh, against Udinese. That is a stingy – that is a – what's that? Mertens, the Mertens effect. Yeah, that is a stingy Udinese team um, that, you know, to, so to be able to find the resources to get the goals and get back in, it all seemed in scoring twice. Um, Mertens coming in for Fabian at halftime. That was a bold call by – uh, Spalletti, and the um, right one, because now you're taking out. You're basically you're taking out an extra midfielder. You're now opening up some more passing lanes for Udinese to counter through with De Lufeu and Beto. And even though Beto has been awful over the last few weeks, and 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 in the last few weeks is why you don't just knee jerk sign a guy. Because um, I remember Milan fans in January. Oh, we get Beto. No. Did you say we should get Beto? Okay, well, I did. I did. I'm making fun of you. You're in that. You're in that crowd. I said these last few weeks is exactly why you don't. So, you know, some guys they'll just they'll have a burst, and and we've talked about it for years. Is it form or is it class? Because class is permanent, and and we don't know if this is class. So, you know, it's nice to watch when it's when it's on, but, um, but gutsy because. You know, Spalletti is basically saying, all right, I'm going to take my chances. I got I got Romani and Koulibaly back there, which right now you can flip a coin between them and I'm probably committing blasphemy to Milan on Twitter for saying this, but you legit can flip a coin between the combination of Rahmani, Koulibaly and Kalulu Tamori over who has, who is the better center back pairing in Serie A right now. Um, yeah. They're both people for a reason. They're both damn good. Yeah. Okay. And you're taking that risk and saying, I'm pulling him. I, okay. I, I'm going to pull Fabian. I still got Zombo in here. I still got Lobotka. I've got some kind of protection. I'll take my chances. I'll add another attacker, put some pressure. Worked out. Okay. Um, smart move by Spalletti. Smart substitution. Set the tone for the second half for Napoli. They went on and won. We knew, we, we thought Inter would have a hard time with Fiorentina. They yep. did. Yeah. Um, Fiorentina shot them. In fact, they had the lead, and then it was uh, uh, Inter getting it late. Um, there or not, not necessarily late, uh, but five minutes after Torreira scored, Dumfries scored. Just bad defending, bad marking by Fiorentina. I mean, great cross by Perisic. Um, Wait. great finish by Dumfries. So, you know, so you got that. Um, our interest could have the hopes. Diminished, gone. Is it a two-horse no. race now? No, I don't believe no. that. They've got a game in hand yet against a Bologna team that is defending a hell of a lot better. But once again, we talk about Bologna, how heartbreaking it is to watch that attack. And then just watching Arnautovic, Arnautovic is just clearly getting frustrated. Um, and he's frustrated with himself as much as he's frustrated with the rest of that team, you know, because he's got some of those chances too. Um. You know, and that 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 he's that he's just barely. He had a couple of great ones that he missed. Orsolini had a great chance that Musso saved. You know, so Bologna is knocking on the door. I think this this might be. You know, the more you look at it with Bologna, I mean, I think it's now six of nine where they haven't scored a goal mm-hmm. in Syria, and I think there's some games here where they've just been really unlucky. Oh, yeah. um, you know, but at the same time, there's. 
you wonder if that belief in Mihailovic is still there too. So you got all of that floating around. Atalanta finding a way to win and an important win for Atalanta after just, you know, three-day turnaround, you know, playing in Leverkusen uh, and sealing that up and now having to turn around and come back and, and play at the Delara and play Bologna and, and get the win. So, you know, it, it shows some toughness here, you know, with Atalanta that they're still maybe going to chase top four. I still think the way they're kind of situating themselves, they're, they've decided to put the priority on Europa League. Um, we'll see if that continued, continues to ring true. Um, and Genoa, uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Blessin. Blessin's undefeated as a manager in Serie A. You don't have to like. It's crazy. <laughs> you don't have to like how he got there. You don't have to yeah. like what the record is, but reality is, is he has not lost a Serie A match yet. He's pushing all the right buttons. Um, I'd love to tell you that Portanova had a moment of brilliance here. This was a right place, right time goal for him. It was an uncharacteristic mistake by Bremer that led to it. Uh, so, uh, so you had that going. And then, you know, Venezia is playing their way back into City B. I think that's the other thing. That's the other big takeaway from it. Sampdoria with an important three points, you know, in their bid to stay up. One of Genoa or Cagliari are not staying up next year. Um, a month ago, I would say it's easily Genoa. At this point, I'm not so sure. It's what three points now separates them, maybe. Um, last I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't totally eliminate Spezia from this conversation yet, though. No, they're still like four points on above. They're 29, Kali is 25, and then 22 for general. Yeah, it's true. They're playing yeah. pretty bad as well. Yeah. Um, Venezia is for sure out. They're, they're just, they don't have enough, man. They have the jerseys. That's about it at the moment. Spezia has won one game in their last seven. Hmm. Um, and that was against Cagliari. So I don't, you know, I don't look at Spets. I, I, I look at Spezia squarely in this conversation as well. Um, huge game when we come back on April 3rd against uh, Venezia at home. That's a six-pointer. I mean, Spezia can probably save their Serie A lives with a win here. Venezia can give themselves a chance to get out with a win. So that's a huge game there. But then they're at Empoli. They get Inter at Torino. Host Lazio, host Atalanta, at Udinese, host Napoli. Ouch. They are squarely in this in this relegation conversation yeah, based yeah. on that Oof. based on that schedule. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um and the form that they're in. One win and seven. Not good. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 tough. That is tough right there. Um you know, someone brought up the point earlier in the chat, you know. As good as this year is, I think next year the league is going to be even better because we know yeah. Roma and Lazio are going to be better, right? Um, there's might be a new champion this year, and so Inter's going to be hungry if they don't get a trophy, and UA is going to be hungry because they played so bad most of the season, and it's going to be a tight, tight year next year. Yeah. I mean, whew. well, let's get through this year. This year is going to be chaotic. Yeah, we still end. got we still got two months of this this league. Eight this games year left. left. Eight games so. left. Um, Lots going on. I mean, yeah, I, 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 in the end, if you're forcing me to make a decision, I, I could see a scenario where Calgary and Genoa both stay up. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. With Spezia's schedule, yeah, that's very much a possibility. And, and for those, I mean, Genoa and Calgary are such like, 
iconic teams in Syria. You want to see them in there. They're both hard places to play. Yeah. Um, and lots of, I mean, lots of fan, huge fan bases for both, I think. And Spezia is a good story, what they've done. Vincenzo Saliano was great with them. Um, Tiago Mota had him humming for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, maybe it's, it's just not enough for them. Talent is too good. Yeah. Gen- for me, Caldi and Genoa are more talented than Spezia and, and Venezia. Hmm. Now, will that talent be enough to help them get the points to overtake both of those teams and send them into the drop? That That's another story. Right. Um, I know Sampdoria, ju- Sampdoria just helped themselves big time with a huge three points today. Some of it gift wrapped by the uh, Venezia goalkeeper on that first goal. That was. Yeah, he was, he was pretty bad today. Yeah, that Romero. was interesting. So. So we shall see. I mean, the and fine. I mean, while they got the win, I mean, Sampdoria is not out of the weeds yet. They have a very tough run in. Inter, Fiorentina among the teams on their schedule. Derby della Lanterna, which is going to be huge. That's still that's still to play for. Um, so there's still some navigating that they've got to do too. It's it's a hell of a it's a hell of a relegation fight, and I. 29 is by no stretch safe. So, uh, so we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see how this goes. Agreed. Agreed. So goals of the week. Goals of the week. Yeah. Let's see. Um, honorable mention is going to go to Empoli with their team goal that Di Francesco scored. Uh, number five for me, I'm going to go Verde's curler. Uh, it was a nice goal there for Spezia. Momentarily gave him a, a chance, and then the rest of the game happened. Uh, uh, number four for me, I'm actually not going a goal. I'm going with Ospina's save on Mari. A huge okay. save at the point of the game that it happened. Um, big, big save. It wasn't easy to make. It was going top corner, and he made a great save on Mari. Uh, number three, Ishmael Benacer's winner. Uh, nice technique, wonderful finisher, really strong finish for me. Number two, Tammy Abraham's second goal from Karsdrop. I thought that was a b- lovely play there, lovely way to finish it off. Number one for me, we're staying in the capital, Pellegrini's free kick goal. I mean, I think a beauty. I mean, that was perfectly placed from a different, difficult angle. Well done. Well done. Yep. Uh, we're awfully close. Um, I've got Verde in at number five. Um, I've got the team. I have actually got the team goal from Empoli in my top five. Di Francesco's goal is number four for me. Uh, I'm going with Cancelliere's goal for Hellas Verona in at number three. The curler there that Cancelliere canceling out Empoli. Hey, hey. Um, I just wanted to use that. That's another reason why. <laughs> Only reason he's in top five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it was a it was a beauty. Uh, a free kick from Lorenzo Pellegrini for me, number two. Benesser with the goal of the week. I mean, okay. Uh, okay. I just big goal. both very big impressive. Goal. Both required incredible technique. The goal for Benesser means just a little bit more in the scheme of things. It puts them and six up on I, Inter, which is huge for them Menta- yep. mentality wise, right? Um, yep. So, yeah. Yep. I, I so got that's, you. I got you. That that that's where I'm going with that one. So, yeah. Oh my, that was a lot. Um, yeah. Not not often. We haven't done a lot with ten games. There's usually games on Mondays, and you know, but Serie A is trying to get all in so everybody can go on their international break, which Ooh. we should probably talk about right now because uh, this is kind of a big deal for Italy this week. It is. It is. It's a big game, uh, and the call ups have happened. It was. Um, 
Mancini announced his squad of 33. So shall I go through all the players that are called up? Let's do it. All right. This is, of course, before injury. But uh, in goal, Cranio, Donnarumma, Golini, and Sirigu. In defense, you got uh, Acerbi, Bastoni, Biragi, Bonucci, Chiellini, Di Lorenzo with an asterisk, Emerson, Florenzi, Luis Felipe, and Mancini. Central midfield, you got Barella, Cristante, Jorginho, Locatelli, Pellegrini, Pessina, Sensi, Tonali, and Verratti. And then in attack, you have Belotti, Berardi, Immobile, Insigne, João Pedro, Politano, Raspadori, Scamacca, Zaccagni, and Zaniolo. Now, Di Lorenzo got injured. Uh, tell us who took his place. Would you please? Oh, I don't know. Should, it should be Calabria, shouldn't it? No, it's actually it's Deschelio. What? Yes, sir. <laughs> what? I just thought I'd tell you, you know. Okay, first of all, Calabria <laughs> should be in over Florenzi. Yes, most of these defenders, honestly. You know, he should be in over Florenzi. He should be in over Emerson. Um, you know, he... <sighs> Damn it, Mancini. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you guys think I'm looking at this for the first time, I saw bits and pieces. I didn't get a chance to see the whole squad. Yeah. Um, I think Sensi's play at Sampdoria is reasonable and he earned here into place. Yeah. I think for Sensi, it had to, you had, he, I think that Mancini wants him to be a regular thing in his, in his setup. He just needed to go somewhere he was going to play regularly. Right. So, um, let's look at DeShilio. I think he's defending a little bit better than his time, you know, than, than what we remember of him. Yeah. Okay. He still can't cross the ball for shit. I'm not worried. I'm not, not, and I don't care about today's assist. I was going to say, didn't he get assist today? <laughs> yeah. But that's yes. the one. That's the one out of two hundred that is accurate from him. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know what Calabria has to do to get a call up. He's got to maybe find compromising pictures of Roberto Mancini or something. Win a scudetto, probably. Yeah. Maybe. So that's that's astonishing to me. I he I'd have him in over Florenzi. I think he's the biggest snub oh, yeah. on this. Li- he's the biggest snub on this list. Yeah. Um. You know, with respect to fitness, availability, and everything else. Um, Some people, it boggles my mind, think Tonali doesn't even be, deserve to be on this list. But no, Tonali know. deserves to be there. If you, you know, tell me you haven't watched Milan without telling me you haven't watched. Some Milan. people think Tonali. So. Some people think he's the third best central midfielder in Serie A, or excuse me, in Milan. That also boggles my mind, but that's beside the point. Second, I actually think Benacer is better. Um, you know, I think that. You know, Benacer has been dealing had been dealing with some injuries. He had been dealing with some things, and now I think you're starting to finally see the qualities that made him a Milan player in the first place. Yeah, uh, especially over the last several weeks. I um, would take Lazzari over Florenzi at this point, honestly. What is Florenzi? Probably no. I yeah. Eh, now we're now we're getting now we're reaching. Let's fight. Um, so <laughs> now we're re- now we're reaching. I Lazzari's a wing back. He's not a fullback. So functionally, it makes no sense for him to be in this setup under Mancini. So, um, but 
looking at the forwards here, I, I they're fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now Shaw who do Pedro's you start of this group? It's obviously going to be Berardi and excuse me, I mean uh, Immobile and Belotti, but should it be someone else? Maybe lean the line, or should we go with the tried and true? I think we got to go. I think you got to go with one of those two guys at this point. Yeah. I think your front three has to be Insigne, Immobile, Berardi. How um, fun though would it be to try the Sassuolo, tr- you know, trident there? Just saying. It would be, but I mean, which one? You're, you're going to move one of those guys to the left and still try to make it work. I don't yeah. know if that'll. I don't know if that can happen. Um, True. True. I think Raspadori and Sigamaka are both central. Or, yeah. or you know, are both central guys. One can be a out and out striker. One can with one. You know. They can play striker. They can, you know, withdraw as a center forward. Um, but I don't think either of them have the qualities to be a, you know, a, a winger in a four-three-three. Yeah, and um, I think as much as Insigne has been struggling as of late, he has to be starting. I mean, his potential to break a game open is huge. He can still cross the ball. You know, he can still have good set pieces. So I, I think he has to be in the starting lineup. It's just. It's difficult. It's it's a winner take all almost, you know, against the games that we have here. It's going to be difficult to move on to the World Cup. Everyone's got to play their best. It's got to be the Euros all over again. It has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Insigne might flip a different switch playing for the national team at this stage. Yeah, it's kind of at the end of his Napoli career. You know, there's going to be all the motivation in the world that even if he's going off to MLS, he still wants to be a part of this. And that's the insignia I'm going to expect to see against North Macedonia. I think he plays well. I think he gets at least an assist. He's going to be involved in one. He's going to be involved in the goal. They're going to beat North Macedonia. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the Portugal Turkey winner is, you know, uh, and having to go and play at their place. Um, either one of them for the chance to play in the World Cup. Um, I fully think, you know, the optimist in me says that Italy gets this all done. They beat North Macedonia. They go on and win on the road at either of those places. Turkey more so. Because let's face it, I don't think this is a Portugal team. This is that, that has been any good over the last year. You talk about mystiques. I, you know, if you don't worry about beating the mystique of Portugal and just beating the team that's out there, you're going to give yourself a hell of a chance to win because this Portugal on form hasn't been very good over the last year or so. Sure. You know, and Cristiano is, is old. Okay. They've got some other, obviously they've got plenty of talent. They're, they're abundantly talented. Bruno Fernandes, um, Joao Felix, Oh, yeah. uh, and then Joao Felix is in amazing form right now for Atletico Madrid. You yeah. know, but do you have the formula? Do you have the formula to stop that? I think Italy. If there's any team that's going to have the formula to deal with that, it's Italy. Um, so, but it's not a Portugal side to me that's been entirely impressive. No, you know, but- and, and anything to really worry about. So, the optimist in me thinks Italy gets through this. They go to the World Cup. The, however, I am way too chicken shit to make a prediction on this. So, yeah. I know they'll beat North Macedonia and they'll get to that last game. And that's, that's as far as I can go. Amar's talking about the pressure, right? 
it is pressure because not only because you have to make the World Cup, but it's also imagine the scrutiny winning the European Championships and then not qualifying the World Cup. Imagine that scrutiny, right? Well, it's not happened. Just, not just not just in Italy. I'm talking about globally, honestly, or just in the mm. European front. It'll be embarrassing. Um, and also, you know, go, kind of go back to your uh, your Portugal point. I agree 100% what you just said there. But for me, they got the all-time big, biggest big game player on their team. He no, ma- no matter what kind of form he's in, Ronaldo seemed to show up when the, the time counts, right? I do remember, I don't know how many years ago, when it was you know Zlatan versus Ibrahimovic going for the World Cup and both of them trading goals left and right. And Zlat- or Ronaldo had a hat-trick to win the game. Um, mm. I cannot discount this guy no matter how old he is. He just scored a hat-trick the other, the other weekend. He's not the same player, and Portugal is not the same Portuguese team. They're not the, the, the big giants that we've seen in the past or, or as good as they were. They have some talent, no doubt. But that's just, they still scare me. And, then, you know, Turkey is should be beat be – if Turkey beats Portugal, right, there's still some guys that you got to worry about, right? They're yeah. still not as good as Portugal. But, yeah, there's still some guys to worry about. I mean, first things first, get past North Macedonia, which they should. You know, there's a couple guys you probably just got to keep an eye on. You know, some guys with Syria pedigree that you got to really worry about because they can open up games. Um, but yeah, it just uh, should be that should lock that game up, get it out of the way, and then fully, fully prepare for this next game because that game after is going to be <laughs> crucial. One of the biggest games they've had in a long time, probably since the championship game. Mm-hmm. Are, you pre- are you predicting that they'll make the World Cup? It's tight. I mean, I do want to see what happens with that Portugal-Turkey game. I think they're going to beat North Macedonia. Yep. Um, it's going to be a tight game. I, I think the talent is there. I know everyone's saying, oh, this, so many players need to go. This team won the European Championship. Yeah, it could have been luck. But I think there's so many good players there when a the time counts, leaderships on that team as well, that they're going to figure out a way to do it. I trust in Mancini. Mancini's hasn't steered us, hasn't done much wrong in his career, honestly. I think they just barely get them to the World Cup. I think that where it's going to be, where it's going to work this time, Verratti's fit. Um, we talked about this the last time when they yeah. couldn't couldn't win the qualifying group and had to. That'll be huge. Go to this playoff. They did not have Verratti for a handful of qualifiers, and. For me, he's that guy, and we, we we talked about it last time. We'll talk about it again. He's 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 an intelligent passer of the ball, but he finds himself in very very dangerous positions. That's difficult for oppos- opponents to defend. He gets into those half spaces and he makes those killer passes. Okay, that was missed uh, over a stretch of games here for Italy. Uh, you know, down the stretch in the World Cup qualifiers, there's really nobody else in that midfield for me that can do what Verratti does. Um, I don't not even Pellegrini. For no, me. I, agree. I um, agree. So, well, and not even Sensi. Um, so to have him back in the mix and, 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 and for me, the midfield needs to be Barella, Jorginho, Verratti. That, that works. I was going to ask you because Barella is, seems like he's just so exhausted. Pellegrini's playing fantastic since you mentioned him. He's been playing fantastic this year. Just scored a, a wonderful goal uh, today. You still go Barella over Pellegrini? Yeah. I agree with and, you. And I think I think majority people at this present who are not in Tardisi would say 
no, don't start him. I think there people will notice how tired he looks, and they would say, hey, give Pellegrini a shot. But I agree with you. Go with the tried and true, the guys yeah. who have shut down the big ballers for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, if you want, if Barella looks like he's out of it, put him on a short leash, bring on Pellegrini just after halftime, and then see what he can do. But I yeah. think you got to start with those three guys because Barella does so much. Not only does he contribute goals and assists, but he's that guy in the midfield that nonstop running. If you can at least tire some of the opposition out you know, doing what he does, um, it's so pivotal for a team to succeed is his position, and he needs to play. Ferrati's not going to do what he does without Barella doing his job. And I'll just jump in. If you can't go with him, my preference would be Locatelli. I think Pellegrini, we'd lose some balance in terms of cover. Yeah. Um, you know, and, in terms of shape. And he's been on this um, team, so he knows how that midfield works as well. He has Pellegrini, for me, is a direct uh, backup to Verratti. Um, he doesn't do the things that Verratti does, but I wouldn't want him and Verratti in the same midfield. I think then then you're asking sure. Jorginho to do a hell of a lot, and yeah, uh, I don't I don't think it works. So, yeah. um, so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, they should. I think out of the four teams, I think that they they are the best team. Portugal have probably five or six players that are better than anybody on Italy. Okay, whether that constitutes them being able to translate that into being the team that comes out of this foursome and gets to the World Cup, you know, time will tell. So, Is Leal getting called up? Do we know? I think that – He should. Dino's but. making the point that he did. I didn't look at Portugal's team. Yeah. So – because he's asking. Yeah, I'm curious. Can you imagine the shitty – can you imagine the shitty who versus Leal if Leal plays? I don't want to imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. What role can Tonali play in Mancini's squad? Um, Jorginho's role, probably. Yeah, maybe maybe Barella's as well. Um, yeah. But I think he's still he's so young in this, in that Locatelli has more experience in this. Pellegrini's playing really. I mean, him and look at him and Tonali playing fantastic. But I think Pellegrini's got the advantage as well. So right now, Tonali's probably third in the pecking order. Now we look at you know years down the road, one or two years down the road, he's going to be in that starting position. But I don't think he's he has to earn it first, and I think guys ahead of him have earned it. So as much as I want to see him, but I think the best scenario is when Mancini's making his substitutions and he wants to freshen up the midfield. That Tonali comes on with Cristante. And they operate as a double pivot in front of the back four. I can see that. And then you have another midfielder in there that you give him a little bit more. You give that player a little bit more freedom. Um, can you guys mention Tamari is not in the England squad? They picked all the, the almighty Maguire. Okay. England is going to play one friendly against Switzerland. I could fucking care less if Tamari is in the squad for that. I really, you know. I hope down the road Southgate has some sense and calls Tamori up. But you brought up um, a good point. I think it was you that brought up a good point because everyone's harping on Tamori's getting slandered by not going in there. But we're not looking at is that he's also not getting injured by not playing, right? If he what happens if he goes to England and gets injured? We're gonna be like, oh shit, Scudetto's done. But he doesn't play. He stays healthy for the the, the closing run. Who cares? Let him. Yeah. Now next year down the road, he should absolutely be a starter. On that team, um, but right now I'm happy that he didn't get called up because he stays fresh for the. For you're gonna the call him up run. for one friend. You're gonna call him up for one friendly. 
And if he did get called up, he should say, call me back in six months. And do you know, I didn't mean to be hurtful with the way I answered your question. I just, I, I, I just, I went through this on Twitter already. Yeah. And Martino Puccio raises a very interesting point. And if Tamori continues to get snubbed, call up after call up after call up. Yeah. Okay, fine. Long term. That's probably a bigger concern to me for the reason that Martino raised. He said, well, at some point, if Tamori really wants to play for England someday, he's just going to get fed up with this and say, I'm going to need to go back to the Premier League if I'm ever going to play for England. Yeah. And we're going to have to figure out how to make a move. Yeah. And I obviously, I don't want that to happen, but I'm, I'm talking about in the short term, in the now, when Milan are in the middle of a title race. Yeah, he shouldn't. And they need him. Yeah. No reason to him for him to go to a camp for a friendly. So in short... It's stupid that Tomori doesn't get called up because he's probably their best defender. But I'm happy he's not because right. he'll be fresh. Right. So when we get some qualifiers or some call-ups or some things like that, and he's not in the mix or he's not in the conversation, then as a Milan fan, I'll probably start to get a little bit concerned because what is it going to say about his future in Milan if he right. wants to play for England someday? Martino's point, I'm I'm using his words, that he might say, you know, screw this. I'm going to need to get back into the Premier League to prove myself to, to the coach. So, um, and we don't want to see that happen. No. So, so no, we get it. Um, it be interesting to see. It's going to be great buildup. Boy, it's uh, it's a huge week for uh, the Azzurri. Um I won't say missing a second straight World Cup will be catastrophic because there is a, a Euros here that kind of, papers over the cracks sure um but you know missing out on this world cup might end up raising a question or two of how valid is mancini's project really so and many people um, will say maybe it was just luck that they won more than anything else you know and you'll have those ifs none of us believe it but no the outside will say that they'd be belgium spain and england to win that tournament oh yeah for sure uh they that was you you can't get you can't get that lucky so anyway but no it's it's it'll be interesting and we'll uh we'll we'll certainly be uh we'll have our eyes on it we will not be doing a podcast next week we always take off during the international breaks mission so however if we might, if we feel the need to do an emergency uh, group therapy session, <laughs> we might consider that. So. A live stream for all of you to join us. The rant. Yep, Hopefully you'll never know. know. You'll never know. So, all right. Well, I happened to pop in. We were very, very thin on the Who Won Calcio Twitter nominees, Richard, until I found a couple more that we can put in. So, why don't we jump to the world's most popular hashtag game? It's Who Won Calcio Twitter. Richard, lead us off. <laughs> All right, number one, uh, first one coming up here. Uh, Gianni from the Calcha Guys says, It's the annual share of this video whenever Juventus lose. Uh, let me pop the music on. It's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Taking shots at Juventus not winning the Champions League after their exit once again. Uh, that, was, that was great. <laughs> Nicely done. Incredible. Okay, so um, J Club at BLVCK Gianni uh, Juventini on the weekend after watching having to watch another game of Allegri Ball. <laughs> of course, this is the fan that cable tied himself his yeah. throat to the goalpost. Yeah. 
I don't know. Well, what, I, did. I forget what, what it was. was. The actual protest of this was this, it just is he a mad Everton fan or what was that about? Probably, you know, something else. I don't remember. I, I remember when it happened, but it's probably also has something to do with him being an Everton fan as well. So, got it, got it. <laughs> All right, moving on. I think Saturnian's trying to make it two in a row, Richard. Yeah, Saturnian says. Uh, let me pull it up here. Erica goes, wow, in order to prepare for his role as the broody and depressed Batman, Robert Pattinson spent nine years being a Milan fan. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that explains a lot. Broody and depressed are probably two uh, qualifying uh, descriptions of what we were. And then, he, the and then he follows up and says, I'm going to get in your Hall of Fame now because of this. We'll see. All right. He's, we'll see. Uh, he's confident. He's we confident. don't have a Hall of Fame yet, but. He could be the only few, one. You know, people like Parisnich and Saturnian and uh, fan of no one is what he is now, not Mourinho fan. Uh, oh. <laughs> so I had to look that up because I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, there um, you go. So he's another one, certainly. So iconic underscore Mourinho. Jose Mourinho is the nominee here. Uh, and this was after the conference league game when they dispatched to the tests. Uh, obviously, I'm not happy because so many players have played tonight, whereas Lazio spent the evening smoking cigarettes with Saudi. <laughs> Classic. Well, that kind of worked out for you there. It did. Jose. It did. It did. All, All right. right. Well, we've mentioned Saturnion. Might as well imagine Parisnitz, right? Uh, so the original tweet was, uh, explain the football terms, William Thomas and Leah Thomas, uh, the swimmer who won both in men's and women's swimming, or I guess he didn't win in men's. Well, he didn't win the men's. That's why he yeah, became, yeah. you know, and he became yeah, a woman so, and he won the women's. Harrison, it says, uh, Mohamed Salah in Syria versus Mohamed Salah in Premier League. <laughs> yeah. He goes to a lesser league and gets more goals. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's funny though. <laughs> All right. And finally at Violismo. Inter in 2022, this is the uh, uh, hurdle uh, guy, uh, Julmas from Haiti. Um, you know, all confident and fired up. He's in lane nine. So keep an eye on lane nine as they start this hurdle race. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's oh watch that again. Viole- oh. At Violismo says this is Inter in 2022. He's <laughs> all confident. He's all excited. Looking forward to doing this race. <laughs> and whoa. Oh my God. That's awesome. Oh, I gotta stop watching. This is hands down the winner. I'm gonna hands down the winner. That is hands down the winner. And, oh my goodness! Yeah, I found this. I found this right when we had our intro getting set up, and I was like, "We better throw this in because I think this wins by a country mile." So, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's oh good. my, oh, I'm tearing uh, up. So I'm I will. Uh, I will type in that one if uh, you want to uh, say some things to the people here. I don't know if I can talk at the moment. <laughs> I'm tearing up. Um, yeah, no. Um, first of all, uh, thank you to Jason Jason uh, J Mug Five, a Fiorentina fan, for doing the fan reaction uh, last week. Um, uh, if anybody wants to, you know, we try to do fan reactions for some of the big games. But if you're interested in doing a reaction for your team after their big win. Uh, let us know. We'll, we'll post a video. Do a video on your phone. We'll post it for you and uh, give you some uh, give you some love. Absolutely, we're trying to spread the couch of love. So definitely reach out to us for that. 
uh, and then we may see if we can get some uh, reaction from uh, some maybe Romanisti and uh, Laziale fans post mortem, obviously after the match. But uh, yeah, no, I think Anthony's feeling the love too with the Haitian hurdler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just so good. Oh, that could God. be the uh, tweet of the season. That could it be the tweet be. of the season. I mean, this, this is the first time I've cheered up in a while. Probably since yeah, the, that uh, could be the tweet of the season. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Extremely well played. So, Abby uh, Elismo, whoever you are, well played. Wow. Um, we got to learn more about this guy. I think um, he's got over. He's got about forty one hundred followers. Oh, uh, oh, this this is just a total troll account. He's going after. I mean, he's got a. He has fattened up Ancelotti's face. <laughs> in a picture as a reaction to Real Madrid losing to Barcelona 4-0 today in El Clasico. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> all right. This is uh, this is <laughs> this is a guy we got to watch out for. I think we have. I think we have a new player in this game. Uh, Villalismo. Congratulations on winning Who Won Calcio Twitter this week, and we look forward to seeing more of your work. <laughs> Let me, just, let me just send this what this is. This should have been a week a couch of tweet of the week, but let me share this here because this is too funny not to. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> new person <laughs> out here! Oh my god, all right, enough of this. I need to go drink some water or something, but then the children <laughs> can't watch. Oh my so. god, all right. All right. Okay. So we're having fun with it. But uh, Violismo is the uh, new revelation in the Who Won Culture Twitter world. He wins Who Won Culture Twitter. I already said that. Um, and uh, everybody else, I think you need to step up your game. Um, so <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be laughing that one all the way into when we come back two weeks from now. We're still going to be laughing. So anyway, um, that's going to put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Richard, anything else to plug? Other than Villalismo, um, at our underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N, but uh, I got nothing for that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm at FTC underscore 21. So yeah, sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, there is Sidia Sit Down. At Sidia Sit Down on Twitter, also on Instagram. Comments, questions, hashtag who won Kelcho Twitter uh, for any future nominees. We'd love to get them. Keep it clean. Keep it fun. Um, don't make it offensive. That's the uh, the most important part. Um, and uh, we're also on Facebook as well. You can check us out there. Um, chat, we had a bunch of you here tonight. Thank you so much for showing out for us. We had yeah, a great thank time you everybody. Uh, connecting with all of you. We are going to take a break. Uh, until uh, the next round of matches. So Sunday, April 3rd or thereabouts looks to be our next uh, edition. So check us out at that time. In the meantime, best of luck to the Atsuri here. Uh, A critical, critical week uh, for them in hopes that they can pull it off and make it to the World Cup. Uh, It would not be a good World Cup without the European champions. Uh, So... um, I'm actually not excited about this World Cup at all, being in the winter and being in Qatar and, and all of this other stuff. So I'll have a reason. I'll have a I'll have an excuse right off the bat if they don't qualify. It's like, yeah, I wasn't going to watch this one anyway. So, <laughs> all right. See you all in two weeks. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao.